0: How's everybody doing? You blessed, highly favored. You worked through those chili dogs from Sunday. Hallelujah! They did a great job, didn't they? They did a great job. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the Word of God. Lord, we're just thankful to be in your house. Thankful, Lord, to be someplace, Lord, Lord, where we can actually just come and hear your voice where we can um, just kind of park our boat, Lord, and just come and get refilled for the week. Father, I pray over every person in this room. Lord, just, let's just all come into agreement right now. We take authority over allergies. Yep. We take authority over allergic symptoms. We take authority. God gave us dominion over all the earth, and that includes the trees and the vines and anything that produces pollen. So, Father, I take my dominion in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that we are redeemed from the curse of the law. And I take authority over sickness, illness, and disease in the name of Jesus. I thank you that right now, Father, the gifts of healing are in operation in this room, that people are being healed and delivered. We take authority over flus and colds and influenzas. We take authority, Father, in the name of Jesus over post-nasal drip we take authority, Father, over all drips, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we thank you that we're redeemed from the curse of the law in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So uh, let's be real honest with each other, okay? We're, we're faith people, right? Yes. Amen? amen. We walk and live by faith. Yes. Amen. How many of us right now are dealing with pressure in your life? If you were honest, If you were being real honest right now, how many of us could honestly say that we are dealing with some sort of pressure, some sort of anxiety, some sort of care? How many of us are being tempted with care right now to have to worry about something or be anxious about something? Amen? All of us. Most of us. Amen? And um, I heard a statistic once, and I cannot quote it accurately, and I tried to look it up, so don't hold me on this one, okay? So when a pilot is flying a plane, if that pilot experiences one in-air emergency, the percentages of that pilot crashing that plane are high. But when you double and you have two separate in-air emergencies, then it cuts down to like 7% of men that live. Because you're dealing with in midair, and when you have three emergencies at once, three different ones, then it really, really drops, amen? So, it's like we're all okay kind of flying our plane, right? We're flying our plane, and then we kind of get hit with some pressure, but then pressure comes from another direction. So, now you're dealing with pressure in one place. Now you're dealing with pressure in another place. Now you're getting tempted with pressure in a third place. Let's say, you know what, as a man, I can handle everything. If I can, if I'm having pressure at work, at least I know that I can go home and my family with my wife, everything's going to be fine there. That's my safe place. But what if there's pressure there? Well, at least I know when I go to the gym and I work out, I'm going to have it. It's going to be fine there. But what if I've got pressure there? So now everywhere that I'm going, I'm dealing with some sort of an issue, some sort of an anxiousness, some sort of an anxiety, some sort of a care. Those things affect us. Amen? Those things affect us. Now, John 16.33 says, and this is Jesus. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart I have overcome the world. Nowhere, when anybody got saved, did anybody have someone lead you to the Lord and tell you that once you got saved, you would never have another problem again? (laughs) Wouldn't that be a great way? Everybody would be a Christian then. I have a way where you can never, ever have worry or doubt or anxiety. If you'll just get saved, all those things will be instantly and wonderfully. We have this wand in the back room. We wave it over you and you never deal with any stress, trouble, anxiety, anxiousness ever again. There is no such thing. But what Jesus did say is, is take cheer because I have overcome the world. Jesus never promised us that we would not have to deal with pressures in our life. But what he did say was, is that I've already been into that pressure for you. Remember what I said on Sunday, we're fighting a fixed fight? The fight that we're fighting right now is fixed. We already want it. The fix is in. God never puts anything in the ring with us that he hasn't already whooped. There's nothing bigger than Jesus. Jesus. There's no problem that's bigger than Jesus. The problem is, though, is we start taking hits from multiple places. For men, mostly, it's probably finances. Amen? Would you say that a lot of us are dealing with financial pressure, if we could be real honest? Financial pressure, family pressure, worried about my kids, worried about this, worried about my job, worried about my grades. Better not be. (laughs) Worried, amen, worried about my family. There are a lot of different things that we put pressure on. And when we start feeding on that pressure, what happens to us? Do we get better or stronger? No, no. There's some very, very serious things that happen to our physical bodies. Tribulation, that word trouble that Jesus talks about in this world, you'll have trouble. It's the word tribulation. And all that word tribulation means is pressure. Pressure. There'll be persecutions, there'll be afflictions, there will be pressures in this world. And what happens is, is how many of us can we be really, really honest and say, I've made some of the worst decisions in my life when I was under pressure? Can we be real honest? Why do we make those poor decisions? Because instead of dealing with whatever the pressure is, we just want to get away from it. Because we don't like it. I don't want to feel uncomfortable, therefore, instead of dealing with the root of whatever this thing is, I just want to do whatever it takes. I'll throw whatever money at it, I'll throw whatever relationship at it, I'll do whatever it takes. I will get away from that person, whatever it takes, but am I actually fixing where the pressure is coming from? Am I actually addressing the root of the issue? What am I doing? I'm now taking a bad situation and I'm multiplying it because now I'm making Poor decisions in the midst of it, amen. Do we ever wish that there were a few decisions we could have back? How much money would we have right now if we had not made that decision under pressure to triple finance the home at eighteen percent interest with that payday loan that we got? Oh, I'm speaking to somebody. Am I prophesying to somebody right now? Amen. When I took that extra credit card, when I did whatever I did because the bill was due, but instead of actually dealing with my issue from the pressure, I just compounded it by adding more debt to my life. We do not make good decisions under pressure. Amen? So it's important for us, and I'm going to show you tonight a few ways and actually some steps on how we can effectively, as believers, deal with pressure. Amen? And if you will do these steps, it will help you. I had to do it myself the other night. I called Michelle. I was like, it was just, it was affecting me. It was on me. I was heavy. I wasn't happy, and that's just not like me. And finally, the next morning, I said, well, I figured it out. I found a verse, and I did such and such, and I said, and it lifted almost immediately. Now, it's something that I'm having to continually do. Amen? This is another area. We're still talking about faith. You know that, right? This is still going to take faith to do what we're going to talk about tonight. None of this comes easy. There's no magic wand. There's no shot. There's nothing. It is us taking the word, applying it to these situations, renewing our mind, and bringing about the change that God wants in our lives. Amen. Did you notice that Jesus experienced the most pressure of his life at the end of his life than he did at the beginning? When did Jesus have the most pressure? He was in the garden. Jesus, the pressure, Satan was trying to get Jesus to make a poor decision under pressure. He said, if I can get Jesus under enough pressure, then he might make a decision and say, you know what about this, let's, let's rethink this God about me going to the cross. So even Satan knows that if we can get under enough pressure, he wants to see us crack and he wants us to compound whatever the issue is. So, some of the physical symptoms of, this, of dealing with pressure, okay? Physical symptoms of pressure, feeling nervous, tense, or fearful, restlessness, panic attacks, rapid heart rate, fast breathing, hyperventilation, sweating, shaking, fatigue, weakness, dizziness, sleep problems, nausea. Digestive issues, you're either too cold or too hot, chest pain, obsessive thoughts, and compulsive behavior. Those are all symptoms of dealing with a large amount. How many of us have ever experienced that when we got under a lot of stress? It affects us physiologically. It affects our bodies. Our bodies were not created to handle or carry stress. That's the one thing God didn't build us to do. And that's why when our body takes that on, it doesn't know what to do with it. So it begins to shut us down in key places because our body does, it's like a trans fat. It's like a spiritual trans fat. It is man-made. It is not from heaven. It was not in my pact. It was not supposed to affect me. Amen? There is a way for us to deal with these issues biblically. We're not made to carry around worry and stress and anxiousness all day, every day. It will shorten your lifespan. It will make life no fun. It it is the robber of all happiness and joy. Amen. You can be surrounded by all your favorite things, all your favorite people. But if you are bringing the thoughts of what you are anxious about with you, it is no bueno por nada. It is not, you cannot enjoy it. Why is that? Because you're carrying the weight and the thought of these things with us. Amen? So, some of the long-term effects of pressure and care and uh, anxiousness. Depression. Digestive issues. Insomnia. Chronic pain. Difficulties at school, work, or in your social settings. A loss of interest in sex. A loss of interest in sex, (laughs) substance abuse, suicidal thoughts. I mean, now we're hitting home, amen? Now Now it's getting really close to home. If we do not learn how to deal with stress and with pressure and with anxiousness and worry, and you know what, and sometimes we worry for all the right reasons. And we get mad at other people when they don't worry with us when there's a problem. Why aren't you joining me in this worry? Don't you see what's going to happen? And then somehow we're not compassionate because I won't worry with you. Amen? Worriers are like drinkers. They don't like to do it alone. Amen? So, and worrying, which I've studied this before too, people that deal with an enormous amount of worry, it inebriates them. It changes you physiologically so much, it can produce almost a drunkenness. So you get addicted to that happening in your body. You get addicted to the worry because it produces a feeling in your body. But it's not good for us, amen? It is not healthy, it is not from God. So, as a believer, how do I deal with cares, pressures, and stress? I'm so glad you asked. First John 1-7, this is step number one of, as a believer, how do I deal with stress? How do I deal with anxiousness? How do I deal with cares? How do I deal with worry? First John 1 7, it says, but if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son cleanses us from all sin. So, the number one thing that we have to do to get healed and delivered From walking in stress and anxiousness and worry is we have to bring it into the light we have to admit that it's there we can't faith our way out of it and say just because this thing is happening well by faith it's not affecting me by faith by faith amen we can't ignore it i was a big ignorer growing up if the problem was bad if we just ignore it long enough it'll go away does that make things better or worse much worse amen so the first thing that we have to do is we have to bring those thoughts into the light just like we have to bring sin into the light so that jesus can deal with it do you know that getting tempted with these things is almost sin to carry them with us to meditate on them and not to get free from them so we have to bring them to the light something that i personally had to do is i had to actually write them down so i encourage you when you get home To write down, what are the things that you are worried about right now? And you have to be, look at me. The only way this works is that if you are 100% transparent and, and honest with yourself. Amen? We cannot deceive ourselves. If there is a root to this thing, we need to find out what that root is. So by faith, I have to sit down and I have to have an honest relationship with myself. And say, why am I anxious about this? Why am I worried about that? Why is there pressure coming from this? And I actually compiled a list, and then I found an awesome verse that I'm going to share with you towards the end. So I write down my list, and I write those things. The second thing that you want to do before God is you want to repent. You want to bring all these things that I'm worried about into the light, acknowledge that they're there, and then say, Lord, I repent for worrying about these things. I repent for taking up time that I could be spending with you, for taking up time where I could be blessing someone else, for taking up time because all I'm seeing, all I see is me. All I see is this thing, whatever it is. And look, I'm not There's some very big things in this room, and I hope I'm not belittling or making small of any of those. I'm just telling us that, yes, when we get a hit, we get a hit, but there's a way for us to walk out of it. When we sin, I don't just hold on to that sin and hope it just goes away. No, no, I have to go to the Father, bring it into the light, ask Him to forgive me. Amen? And then I repent. What's repent mean? Repenting is not just saying I'm sorry. Repenting is changing the way that I think about it. I have to find out, Lord, why am I? How many of you came from a family of worriers? <laughs> really? I mean, it's just, it's just passed down. Aunt May was a worrier. She constantly worries. She worries. She always worried. She called you. Whenever you call her, she's worrying. Well, what are you worrying about today? Well, today I'm worried about global warming. Well, that's great. Worried, 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 worried. Amen? Some people are just proficient in it. Amen? It's just passed down from generation to generation. So... Um, Dr. Caroline Leaf, are you familiar with her? She's on BVOV a lot, lot, Kenneth Copeland's network. She is, um, I couldn't even begin to tell you what her credentials are, but she works totally with the brain and how God created us and how we renew our minds and, and how to get really, really free. And so she made this statement about dealing with anxiety. So this is not me, this is her. You have to do what is called, you have to ask yourself why questions, W-H-Y, why questions. So you have to take your list, you have to repent, and then you need to go on that list and you need to ask yourself, why is that thing bringing me anxiety? Well, I'm worried about my children, okay? Why are you worried about your children? Well, I'm worried about this. Okay, why? And you need to start asking why and then keep tracing that till all your answers start sounding the same of all the different things that you're concerned about. Because there is a master root to all of it. Amen? There is a master root. And it's affecting you in multiple areas of your life, but it's coming from one place. When we deal with fear, amen? Phobias, arachnophobia, claustrophobia, all those are different fears, but what's the master root of that, of phobias? What's the master, what's the root of all phobia? Death. It's death. Why am I scared to be stuck in a a small room? Because I'll die. Why am I scared of snakes? Because I'll die. Why can't I travel across a bridge? Because I'll die. So you see how it's all multiple fears, but there's one master root that rules them all, and it's a fear of death. So there's a master root as to what is affecting us in our bodies with stress, what's affecting our bodies with anxiety, what's affecting our bodies um, with anxiousness. What's the root of it? You know what mine was? It was finances, and I didn't know it. I'm a prosperity preacher. I'm blessed. But why am I fearful of that? Because I won't have enough. Oh, crumb. Well, why am I fearful of that? Oh, because I won't have enough. Well, why am I having that? Because I won't have enough. And all of a sudden, I'm tracing it back to a mammon spirit that I'm dealing with. And a mammon spirit is all about self-preservation. It's all about making sure that you take care of you first. And is that as opposite from God as you can get? So I figured it out what it is that I'm dealing with. Amen? So I was anxious about it. I'm, I believe in faith. I'm walking in faith. I'm living by faith. But all of a sudden, you start getting hit by all these different ways. I <sighs> feel like all the air's coming out of the room. Amen? But you know what? When you flip the switch, when you get on top of it, when you renew your mind to what that thing is, and you put God back on top, all of a sudden, all the pressure lifts. Because you just make this one statement. Okay? You ready? I trust God. God. I trust God. I've come too far. If you would have seen where I've come from 27 years ago, I've come too far. God didn't bring me halfway to let me die in the wilderness. He didn't bring me halfway just to say, well, we almost got him there to the finish line, but we didn't. Amen. You are going to deal, and trust me, the closer you are getting to your high calling and the closer you're getting to the thing you're believing for, the more pressure you're going to deal with because the devil does not want you to have it. And something that we don't talk about a whole lot but plays right into this is that we have an enemy and we never talk about him. You have an enemy that's here to steal, to kill, and destroy. And it's his job to try and hold back any and everything that you're believing for. And don't you think that he's trying to do it? Amen. Does he ever take an allergy season off? Does the devil ever say, demons, we're going to Cancun this year. Forget it. Let's not do allergies this year. We'll let that one flow. No, no, no. They are 24-7 constantly. So you have an enemy and you have to know how to push back against your enemy. When the enemy came to Jesus, what did Jesus do? It is written. And you have to respond to pressure, and you have to respond to worry, and sometimes you have to scream in the car and yell at yourself and tell it to shut up. You ever done it? It's good. Finger licking good. Amen? And you have to yell at that thing, and you have to recognize it because there is a demon spirit behind it, and we don't want to play with it. And we don't want to entertain it. And we don't want to do anything else with it except I want to get it out of the car. If I had a rabid dog in the car, I would not want to try and pacify the rabid dog. I would want to get the dog out of the car. Then run it over. Then shoot it. <coughs> Amen? So, I want to constantly be asking myself, why? Why am I fearful of this thing? Why am I worrying about this thing? What's the master route? Okay. So now after you've done that, here's where we apply our faith. You ready? I'm going to give you some awesome scriptures tonight on how the, and you, these need to be a part of your faith 101, dealing with pressure, anxiety, worries, whatever, okay? The first one and the best one, it's awesome. 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to do these out of the Amplified. 1 Peter chapter 5 beginning in verse 7. This is so good. It says, Casting the whole of your care, all of your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Folks, that is the Is there anything that you're allowed to worry about after reading that verse? Is there anything, is there anything that falls outside of the umbrella of that verse? No, it says all four times, casting the whole of your care, which are all of your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on Him, For he cares for you affectionately. Think about that. You don't have a God that just is there to rule you and direct you. He cares about you affectionately. He knows you. He knows what you're going through. And he's not just flipping. He's not on one side of the earth one day and this side. Well, when's God going to be back? I don't know, man. He's over in Europe right now. It could be a while. No, he is watchfully. He is right there in the midst of your most pressure, your most worried, your most cared, your most hopeless, your most depressed, your most quiet. You're screaming out times. He's right there. He's right there with you, affectionately, watchfully, holding your hand and bringing you out of what you're dealing with. There's no other God like that, folks. I mean, we could stop right there and. Amen? There's no other God that cares for you that way. He knows you individually. He cares for you individually. Psalms 55:22. 22. Psalms 55, 22. Cast your burden on the Lord, releasing the weight of it, and He will sustain you. He will never allow the consistently righteous to be moved, made to slip, fail, or fall. Isn't that good? How many of of us are righteous? If you're righteous, raise your hand. That's everybody. If you're born again, you're righteous. Not because you made yourself righteous, because He made you righteous. Amen? He gave you right standing with Him. He will not let His righteous fall or fail, Amen. I've never seen my, what's it, what is this what's in Psalms. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his offspring beg for bread, Amen. That's a great scripture for even if you're believing God for finances, think about that. We're the righteous. We're His kids. Remember when I talked about God being our as a faithful Creator a while back on a Sunday morning. Remember that whatever God creates, He takes 100% responsibility for. Did He create you? Did He create me? Then He took full responsibility for you. And not just the bare necessities. He took care of your past. He took care of your present. He supplied you. He gifted you. He equipped you. He gave you opportunities all throughout your life. God is always trying to get more to us and get us in a higher place. Amen? Always trying. So, the two that we've done so far, 1 Peter 5, 7, and Psalms 55, 22. The third one, Philippians 4, 6. Everybody doing okay? Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Oh, come on. Just a little he doesn't want us to have any. He knows how poison it is to us as a believer. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, and petition is a definite request with thanksgiving, continue to make your word known to God. There are so many scriptures that tell us categorically that we are not to be walking around with stress, with cares, with worries that we're not to be anxious about anything. There's not one thing that He made provision for us to worry about. Remember what Jesus was teaching Him in Matthew about, don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. I mean, God, look at the the lilies of the ground. I mean, He takes care of the grass. He takes care of bushes. Don't you think He's going to take care of you? Amen, and sometimes we get caught up into that. Who's going to take care of me? Amen, we get drawn into that thinking of, Well, if I don't do it myself, it's not going to get done. No, 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 no. That's that mammon spirit. That's self-preservation. If I don't take care of me, no one else will. God can't work with that. We have to trust him. Say, I trust God. I trust God. I have to trust God. So, we take those scriptures, and this is how we use them. We have to change our thoughts about what we're anxious about. We have to replace our thoughts of worry, doubt, and unbelief and exchange them for his thoughts of victory, for peace, and for joy. Amen? I love Colossians 3.2. Well, actually Romans 12.2 first. It says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. This is how we change. Amen? We have to change the way that we think about the situations that we're in. We have to exchange our thoughts for God's thoughts. I want to think the way that God thinks about these situations. Because when I do that, I'll have God's power and grace to do whatever it is. If I think His thoughts, I'll have His results. If I think, if I think and say God's words and God's thoughts, I will have God's results. Amen? Colossians 3.2 And set your minds and keep them set on what is above, the higher things, not on the things that are on the earth. So how do we set our minds on things that are above? Once again, I am so glad you asked. How do we set our minds on things above? Go to Philippians chapter 4. He gives us a list of things for us to think on and to meditate on. Philippians 4 8. I'm going to read it, then I'm going to go back and explain each one. It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue or if there be any praise, think on these things. Amen? So when we talk about setting our thoughts on things that are above, here's a list of things that are from above, okay? So the first thing that he tells us that we're to think on um, is things that are true. Things that are true. And that true means unconcealed. It means attested, because tested. It means true in fact. One of the number one things that you can do To change the way that you think about whatever situation is you're in is choose to think on the truth of the matter and not the lie of the matter. What we get roped into is we start believing the lie. You're never going to have enough. They're never going to come back. They're never going to get any better. They're never going to change. And so we start dwelling on the lie. Amen. Instead of meditating on the truth. What's the truth about your situation? I understand the facts, but what's the truth about it? What's the truth? You gotta find out in the word for yourself, what does God say about your situation? If it's finances, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where God's excited about us being poor. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where I see God glorying in our, in our poorness, in our poverty. Because you know why? Because I can't help anybody when I have poverty. I can't, I can't bless somebody like I want to if I don't have enough. If I'm constantly having to believe God for my own rent, amen? amen? So I have to start believing the truth about these situations. Well, what's the truth? Well, I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. And then I start going through a litany of scriptures on prosperity, and I start building my faith. See, this is how you build faith. This is how you get faith. This is how you get meat off the bone in the Word of God, what I'm teaching you right now. Because a lot of people, when I would say, well, okay, we'll think on these things, you'd say, okay, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, et cetera, and you'd memorize that verse, and you'd say, but I'm still not experiencing any change in my life. Well, why is that? Because you now have to go back and do. You don't just memorize the verse. You've got to find out what's true. You've got to find out what's noble. You've got to find out what's just. And that's how you start pulling meat off the bone and actually building your faith in these areas. Amen? That's how faith grows. That's how we get faith into us. This is how we grow. Amen? So, don't meditate on the lies of the enemy but on the truth that God says about you and your situation. Don't meditate on lies. Always meditate on the truth. Doesn't matter what's going on around you. Doesn't matter what the circumstances are. What's the truth of the matter? Number two, whatever things are honest or honorable. And that means weighty. That means deeply respected because it's viewed as majestic. In Proverbs 11.1, 1, it says, A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. The whole, how they described honest or honorable and how we're supposed to think like that, it keeps going back in the Old Testament about how you used to buy and sell things and you had a weight. And when you went to buy something, there was a certain weight, a just weight. And when it was just, you got the amount of goods... That you were supposed to according to the weight. Well, when it was unjust, they would change the weights to rob you or to get from you instead of you getting what's fair and what you're supposed to get. So to bring that into what we're talking about tonight, for me to think honorably or honest, I need to be thinking more of what I can do for people than what they can do for me. I need to be thinking on how can I get more to you? That's a just weight. An unjust weight is me looking at you as if you're a means to my end. What can I do to get more from you to me? Isn't that good? So I want to think on things. How can I get more? How can I be more? See, you cannot stay depressed when you quit thinking about yourself and start thinking about blessing others. What's your blessing fantasy? What's your blessing fantasy? What is this thing that you want to do for somebody someday that you fantasize about? When you start thinking on whatever that thing is, you, you cannot help but, get, but begin to be happy and joyful. So when you get tempted with depression or you get depend, depend with, with loneliness or whatever, that I encourage you, pull out some sort of blessing fantasy of how I'm going to do this thing For my wife, how I'm going to do this thing for my parents, how I'm going to do this thing for my kids. Now I'm thinking honestly and justly. Isn't that good? Oh, so good. You're going to get this on the way home and you're going to stop the car and shout and dance, I promise. You're not doing it now, but you're going to. Number three, think on those things that are both just and right. Which means approved by God. Describe what is in conformity to God's own being, his will, his standard of rightness. This is so easy. If you want to think on things that are just and right, before you, when you, whatever you are thinking about, stop and ask, is this a God-approved thought? Is what I'm thinking about right now, you know, like politics, they do the commercial. I'm Bob and I approve this message. When you get start thinking about certain things, you have to stop and ask yourself. You have to run everything through the filter of, would God approve of what I'm thinking right now? And I guarantee you, you'll start changing the way that you think real fast. Because it's not like he doesn't know already. Amen? But as in what I'm thinking about right now, what I'm meditating on, is that God approved? I don't know if that's God approved. And if you don't know, don't think on it. Think on those things that are approved by God. Amen? Think on those things that are the goodness of God. Think on the faithfulness of God. Think on the truthfulness of God. Amen? But don't spend a lot of time thinking on things that God wouldn't approve of. Amen? That doesn't help our situation. It makes it worse. Number four, and there's eight of these. Think on those things that are pure. Pure inside and out. Not mixed with guilt or anything Condemnable. This is a good one. To think on things that are pure means not to think on things that are associated with guilt or condemnation. We spend way too much time dealing with guilt and condemnation of things that are out of our control, regrets, things that got away, things that we should have done. Things that we did wrong, those are not pure thoughts. If you have asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, then you are pure in his eyes. Don't mix it up again with guilt and condemnation and dwell on it. Anybody deal with that? Guilt and condemnation? Come on. Amen. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. Amen. Be free. Here's my wand. You're free. Don't mix the condemnation and the guilt of things you did in the past, because they will hinder you from going forward from where you are. Amen? Don't mix. Don't think on those things that are mixed with guilt and condemnation. Number five, whatever things are lovely. That means worth the effort to have and embrace. Dearly prized, worthy of personal affection. Think on those things that are lovely and lovable. Learn to meditate on how much God loves you and not how much that he doesn't. Think on. Think about right now. Do it right now. Think about how much God loves you. Think about where you were. Think about what he pulled you out of. Think about all the millions of things that could have gone wrong had he not been there. Think about how much he cares for you and how much he loves you. You cannot help but have joy. I mean, it reduces endorphins in your body. It, reduce, it makes a chemical reaction happen. Look, you're smiling for the first time tonight. Some of you are actually smiling. Why is that? Because you're thinking about how much God loves you. Well, the opposite happens. When I think about how much that he doesn't love me, I get more quiet, I get more depressed, more isolated. We have to dwell on the fact that he loves us. Whatever things are of good report, it means well reported of, reputable, sounding well, things spoken in a kindly spirit with goodwill to others. Choose to think on the praiseworthy aspects of people in your life and not their faults choose no matter who it is to find something good in everybody you come in contact with and think on those things not the things that are like fingernails on a chalkboard amen that's a hard one isn't it amen think on those things find something in somebody and find if it's pray meditate on that meditate on the thing that they do right not the hundred things they do wrong Parents, amen, with our kids. My kids do a billion things right. They've done a couple of things wrong. But I don't meditate. If you didn't say that, nobody know it was you. I have one child. I won't do that with my parents, no. No. But if I choose to meditate on all, in my marriage, you live with the same person for 24 years, there are going to be little things that, on the wrong day. It's going to bug you. I, not in y'all. In my marriage, it happens. Have you ever had an airing of grievances in your home? It's another word for a fight. <laughs> it's an airing of grievances. It's very civil. It's not very civil. It's a strong conversation. Amen. But you know what? I, I, I look back and I just think, I've, the woman that I married is just amazing. What she does on a daily basis, and there's many lives. How many of you have gotten a text even today or an email from my wife? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And it wasn't about childcare, was it? It was about childcare, June? Sorry, Donna. But there was some love in it too, wasn't there? My wife touches so many lives. She's just good like that, she's a rock when it comes to it. She's an encourager. You ever been encouraged by Michelle? She ever left you a message on your phone? You'll never erase it. You will never erase it. You'll go back and listen to it over and over and over because she just has that gifting as an encourager. She's wonderful with our budget. She's wonderful with our house. She does so many things. So I choose to meditate on those things that she's so powerful in. I might have one or two things that bug her. (laughs) Maybe one, you know, an airing of grievances. Whatsoever things that have virtue, which means excellence, moral excellence, which is displayed to enrich life, virtuous course of thought, feeling, or action. Listen, don't think on things in the gutter. Men, we got to keep our mind and our eyes up. Amen? I cannot allow coarse jesting or jokes or language or how I look at a woman. I have to keep my thoughts pure. I have to keep them excellent. I have to keep them virtuous. Get our, we have to get our minds out of the gutter. We have to keep them on things that are top shelf. Amen? Amen? That is a wonderful way to walk in purity is to make sure when I look at a woman, I'm not looking at a woman. I'm looking at a sister in Christ. That'll freak you out anyway. You're like, oh, it's my sister. You know what I mean? We have to think like that. Amen? We have to look at women that way. We have to think of women that way. Amen? So I want to keep my mind out of the gutter. I want to keep my mind on things that have virtue. And finally, those things that are praiseworthy. I want to think on things that are praiseworthy. Accurate acknowledgement, enthusiastic acknowledgement for what deserves praise is appropriate because it relates to God's will. Here's one of the number one things, and I'm going to end with this. Develop a thought life of thanksgiving. If you'll just make a quality decision every day to get out of bed and start telling God what you're thankful for and not what you're not thankful for. I have to make a quality decision every day. Lord, I am thankful that my alarm went off. Lord, I am thankful that I got coffee being brewed in the next room. I am thankful, Lord, that I, you've blessed me with this home. Yes, it needs help and some work, but you've blessed me with a home. You've blessed me with cars. You've blessed me, Lord, with kids that are healthy and strong and smart and they're in college and they're, they're doing, they're, they're, a, they're a million times where I was at this age. They're just so far beyond. Remember me at 18 and 19 years old? Oh my gosh just check the courthouse records that'll let you know right then and there but i mean i got one's going to be a doctor and i got one that's going into business and I, you know what i'm saying i'm thankful i'm all I find things to find that i'm thankful for and i change the way that i think with an attitude of thankfulness amen you did it amen let's stand to our feet